Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Women's Hour. Uh, we have our usual, the dream team. The dream team is here. So we have, as usual, my trusty psychic, Aisha. How's it going? Hi, it's good. It's cold. I disapprove. <laughs> Every year winter shocks me. <laughs> is, it, is it too cold for swimming? I'm too busy for swimming. I literally haven't been able to squeeze it in, but I am going to go. And I will report back. Oh, I'm gonna oh, freeze. Yeah. What about all the sewage That's in the sea? That has helped. I'm not going to lie. It has been off-putting. It's been off-putting. Have you seen any of it where you are? Is there any in Brighton? Um, honestly, like I said, all I do out? is work and childcare at the moment. So when I drive oh. past the sea, it's too far away. Whereas in the summer, you're often down at the beach and stuff. But yeah, I haven't been close enough. But apparently it's rancid. I keep getting reports in my WhatsApp group that it's literally full of sewage. But it's oh all right God. because it's great. Tories keep voting it in, so. <laughs> Elaine and I were thinking the exact same thing. It's just like, how, so Elaine, how are you doing? You all right? I'm not swimming in the sea and I'm never going what? to What, not with the sewage? Of course not, no. <laughs> um, I'm good. Um, you might hear Biowax around me because it's that season. It's coming up to Diwali, so I'm hearing pop, pop, pop in all different directions. Oh, of course, yeah. And um, I'm good. I'm here, I'm alive. And um, excellent. Louise, how's it all going? All good, all good. Blooming freezing, but you know, I've got my fan heater on, I've got my radiator on. The only thing that's missing is my blanket, but it's good. Yeah, but I've, I've lost one of my shoes, so I'm a bit worried about that. Yeah. Anyway. It will have to turn up eventually. Well, well, well it has to be, because it's one of my favourite ones. So anyway. <laughs> it's been, in, like, it's been a couple of weeks since we last got together, but there's been quite a few things that have been happening. We mentioned a bit of it. What are the Tories, when are people going to go enough is enough when it comes to the Tories? Like, I mean, Boris Johnson made us just look ridiculous on the world stage. Who is more embarrassing at this point? Do you think Donald Trump is more embarrassing or Boris Johnson? It's hard, isn't it? I think Boris Johnson, because he was re-voted in after we'd already got the first bite and we've got him for much longer. Trump's kind of gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say that. Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, because I think, you know, Trump, much as whatever, he was a sort of like a sort a short, sharp blast. I mean, although like, you know, he's still trying to pop up left, right and centre. I mean, I know that he made some comments about, you know, that, that shooting on the film set last week. I know he tried to sort of come oh. up with something about that. But it's, it's, it's like, you know, like Boris Johnson is still there. He's, he's still there and he's still just doing his thing. So And he will be for a long time. It's one of three and years, eh? Or is it? Yeah, but uh, what can you see changing it's in the two, different landscape? Well, yeah, enough. We had Theresa yeah. May in 2017, right, for that election. Yeah. And then she went and then they voted Boris in, in 2019. So he became prime minister by default, really. But mm. then people did it on purpose. I mean, the interesting thing is, is that I remember um, Jeremy Corbyn saying that Theresa May was the worst prime minister in living memory. And I was just like, you know, she did, there were some things and you just think, you did think, oh no, like, 
But I guess sometimes you just don't know what you've got until it's gone. And Boris Johnson heard that and thought, hold my beer. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure, like, with her, because at least we kind of know what he is. I don't know if that's better or worse, but don't forget, she introduced a hostile environment. She caused Windrush, actually, by yes, destroying did. landing cards. Yeah. She did a lot of nasty things. She had the go-home mm. van. Even Anna Subri came out and said, Theresa May is a racist. And that's big. You know I what I mean? That, that was a, like, another, yeah, that was squashed quite quickly. But I think she's like a more of a, like a really nasty, mean, I could, you know, racist. I could be wrong, but Boris Johnson is more like a, you know, like that kid in the playground that goes, oh, blackie, what are you doing? Oh, blackie, you got bananas. I actually think Whereas Theresa May, that was going to the headmaster and making sure the black kids got suspended and expelled and you don't even know who did it. So I don't even know, man. I, I don't know which one of them is worse. I think she gets, because she did it with a sensible face on, I think mm. people think she's marvelous. But when you actually look at the stuff she did, she's mm -mm, not a good woman. But that's what I, I mean. I kind of think that Boris Johnson's not, he's not actually sitting there calculatingly being racist. He knows it plays well to the crowd. I actually, this isn't a defense of him. It's just that I think he will literally say anything. So this is just, these are just other examples of him well, saying anything that he thinks. Last week, Channel 5, they had their show, A Thousand Years a Slave. And we learned that Boris and his sister, um, that they've got an ancestor who was an enslaved woman from somewhere in Europe as part of the- what? Oh, right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and my eyes rolled. That's going to be another. They've got what? Enslaved people are in Europe. So I, when I saw his sister on TV, um, and I was like, "Is this to show that the Johnsons aren't racist?" Because right. everything they've got the um, the Turkish granddad, Turkish grandfather, who's got a Muslim name that he changed, and um, <laughs> you've and then now they're saying that they had a woman. An, another ancestor who was enslaved and literally I was watching it in my mouth gobsmacked and I can't tell you where the woman came from in Europe and I was texting my friend saying why is this woman on this Black History Month why 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 <laughs> the opposite of always finding a white ancestor in a black person's history on who do you think you are to humanize us yeah. they have to find someone white so that was like, to make it interesting. I actually think it's because they can't actually find records for all our black ancestors. So mm. in order to like, make some material yeah. for the show, they have to find a white person whose life was actually recorded because it had value. You know what I mean? But they would never admit to that. But it's the opposite of that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah they're but, now. But I mean, the thing. The who thing was is, it the other day who went to Scotland, who was tracing their Scottish slavery roots? Um, and was, always, was it the football lady? Alex some black woman. King? And then Alex. I can't remember. A black woman, but it's always interesting when you have the conversation with Scotland because Scotland will say they were oppressed. Mm. But go to Jamaica, see how many Scottish names are there. Oh, have wow. you seen have you seen the ginger the ginger black people there? The whole community. Was it, wasn't of it? Bob Marley's dad Scottish? I think he, he was been. Welsh. Yeah. I think he was Welsh. Oh, was he Welsh? Right. Yeah. I'm not what sure. do I know? I Evidently nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, yeah. I, um, yeah, so we had Boris, but we had, uh, isn't it embarrassing now that we've got Boris Johnson and then look at Mia Motley at, at 
you know, what was it called? CP, what's the name? COP26. Right. Mm -hmm. Me and Motley, the Prime Minister of Barbados, um, half of me, was just incredible, wasn't she? Do you know what I love? I wonder if she's doing what I do, right? Like when I used to write for the Telegraph, I'd always put something stupid in there to see if I could get it past the editors or put something that was a little bit provocative in there to see if they would notice. I've noticed on her last few speeches, she keeps quoting black singers, which I think is so brilliant. She, like last time she was saying, uh, let's she quoted Bob Marley. And then this time she quoted Eddie Grant. I just thought that was such a nice little touch. What did she no, say? Did you say you're going to rock down it right down to Electric Avenue? No, I wish she'd been that bold. Let me just look up exactly what she I said. I really wish it had been Electric <laughs> Avenue. I know, I know, I know. Not enough people I, are quoting that in political speeches. <laughs> I know. I can't remember what, it, what the line was, actually. But, because he's in Barbados. Yeah. He's in Belgium. And Barbados is just about to become properly independent. Sorry, a republic. Mm -hmm. Yes, on the 30th, on the next Independence Congratulations. Day. Congratulations. Wow. We're getting rid of old Liz. Well, I mean, that's kind of newsworthy also, isn't it? We yeah. too may be getting rid of old Liz. No, no, we need her. Oh. We've got two holidays coming up next, next year in June. Yeah, but if she dies, surely we get a holiday too. No, no, no. We're going to have, no, no. The Queen needs to live till June next year. We've got plans, jubilations. The country can't be in mourning. Because it's Actually, if she lives until then, we get that holiday, and then she dies, then we get another holiday, right? Oh, God. Maybe if it's in winter. <laughs> RIP our mentions. No, because um, I just like the practice session that we had when Uncle Phil passed away was that was a bit too much for me because the soaps weren't on, and I don't know if I'll be able to tell because when, when Auntie passes, it's going to be on, on roids. I'll be very sad though. She's I'll, been I'll be sad. I'll, I'll be sad. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll be sad. I mean, I know, I know, you know, yes, there are issues and stuff, but I do think she, she's had a lot to contend with. Not, no, 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 because you're doing a nice thing again. I'll be sad. Like, she's like an old, you know, like an old, you know, the, the auntie you don't necessarily want to visit, but she's always yeah. there. And it's just yeah. showing that life is changing a lot. All of this stuff about contending with, we're not going to go there because we are nice people. Like her, like her rag bag Sam. We're not going to go there because you don't want to be sued. Can we just discuss the nice thing again? I haven't mentioned what? I haven't mentioned which rag bag Sam. It could be the adulterer or it could be the other one. I'm still, I still can catch up. It's all right. You'll catch it when you watch it again. <laughs> so, yeah, Barbados is seeking independence yeah. um, from Britain. So, for the first time ever, they're going to have a president as well as a prime minister, and they're both going to be women. So I don't know what the Belgian president is going to be like, but if she's anything like Mia Motley, who's just, I couldn't find out any Grant quote, but it was, uh, it was inspired. It was very inspired. I think she's just really great. She's asking the questions. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's literally going, when are we going to have leaders again? What is this? And, you know, we are in the Caribbean and African countries and South Asia, we're bearing the brunt of climate change. And then we had, to, so we had Mia Motley giving this great rousing speech. And then you cut to Boris Johnson. 
a photo of him. I don't know what sound effect to insert, but it seems like one of those deflation <laughs> ones, you know. Oh, yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like. <laughs> How about, Elaine, say what you, you pointed out about him. It's a very good point. Well, I'll read out when... my tweet um, in case anybody, yeah. This is, this is, this is Elaine when I work first thing in the morning. <laughs> what did I say on Twitter today? I think it's the only thing I tweeted today as well. I think it's just something to do with morning breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said, <laughs> I said, honestly, when he wakes up in the morning and goes anywhere with his morning breath, does he think, what can I do today to make me look, look worse than I did the day before? Because he's sitting next to the hero that is Dave, David Attenborough without a mask, looking like, I don't know what, looking like he's half asleep. Everybody else in the room who's flown in from around the world for this climate change conference, he's wearing but a I mean, mask and he's, I don't even know what he's doing. Well, I mean, he I think, I thought he was related. Sleep. Yeah, he's, he's probably sleeping. Yeah, he does look like he's sleeping. Maybe, but maybe he's resting his eyes. Just that's what I put on Twitter. That's what old black people say, isn't it? Yeah, I'm resting. Are you sleeping? I'm resting my eyes. I'm resting my eyes. Yeah. So I put on Twitter. Everyone's going, "How dare he sleep when he's resting his eyes?" <laughs> no, he's getting catching forty winks, man, like that. But I mean, I just think though, you know, with a whole with a whole mask thing. I mean. You know, you've seen in Parliament that people are not wearing masks and everything. I mean, well, should I say one side of the one side of the bench <laughs> is and one side of the bench isn't? But I mean, I think you know, given okay, the figures are going lower. They're not. Um, no, no, that's why I did this. Anyway, but I mean, the thing the thing is, I think it's a kind of sense of entitlement. I mean, I hope to God that none of the, I hope nobody gets COVID. I really, really hope because I mean, it's it's not nice. But at the same time, I mean, I just think it is a sense, or is it that you're just not thinking and that you're doing that and you're thinking that it's okay next, doing this to, next to a man that's in his 90s? Do you know what I mean? Yes, Richard Attenborough is strong, but at the same time, he's in his 90s. He's more vulnerable than you are. Do you know what I mean? But I just think it's a sense of, I think it's a sense of entitlement and the rules don't apply to everyone. But there's definitely is that, because if you're looking at one side of the house, you're looking at the Labour side and they're pretty much wearing masks and you look at the Tories. Mm. But you know they had that in America as well. The Democrats will wear their masks and the Republicans won't. And during the insurrection, uh, when they had to go into the room together, a few Democrats, including a 70-something-year-old black woman who's a cancer survivor, caught COVID from the Republicans. Mm. Why? Mm. I don't understand how this health, what is essentially a health issue, has become a left and right issue. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense, but I think I think I mean it. I'd even go beyond that because I mean people are becoming a lot, a lot, a lot more careless these days. I mean, I, I just think I don't know. I think people think that COVID is over. I really, really think it's COVID is over. They're inventing their rules as they're going along and everything, but it really isn't over at all. Do you know? What I mean, it really, really isn't. If we if we get another surge, then what? Then what's he going to do? Do you know? What I mean, when what are these people going to do? So, there is some radicalization going on though, don't you think? Like around this subject? Because it's like when you're seeing people frothing at the mouth and, and having these meetings in Trafalgar Square and, and saying to attack doctors and stuff. I mean, I never, oh, me, maybe I'm naive, I never saw a health issue 
being taken on like I never would have when it first started would have ever thought this would have become a left and right issue it's just very strange to me no but you see I mean I think there's a lot going on there because I mean it feels like the doctors are being attacked all over the place and then this is just another level of it I mean my I mean even the other week I got um an, uh, an evaluation from one of my um, from my consultant who I go because you know I was quite ill like some time ago and stuff so I have to go and see them every year but like you know he was asking for a questionnaire and I've never had that and I believe that a lot of it is to do with the fact that okay you've got these doctor these doctors league tables now but then also you know it's another justification because they're being attacked for the COVID thing as well so it's almost like they're, they're all working together the media's going for them you know, like the public is going for them. So then they're feeling a little bit like, you know, insecure. Some of them are feeling a bit insecure about their jobs and what they're Was doing. Was it the survey the where you've got the, it's like you've got, where you just tell you how, how did they treat you that day? Yeah, there, there was that and, you know, and, you know, there was a lot of questions. And the thing is, I just thought, I mean, you know, my consultant was great. He was absolutely great. But I mean, the thing is, I also thought to myself, well, I'm not going to put anything ne negative down for it to get out into the media and then for like, you know, to kind of like, for there to be more attacks against these people. I'm not doing it. I'm not How doing it. How did we end up with such a compliant media? Like we always used to have somebody who was speaking out or doing something. I don't know, maybe it was the Corbyn years where they all decided to get together and get rid of him. But, and, and now we've just, jumped the broom and gone to another level where now it's it's so ridiculous but we don't seem to have anybody challenging challenging them yeah but it's not just the media i mean i think it's every i think it's everywhere in society now so i was listening i know people don't like james o'brien but i was listening to him this morning and i think one of the things that's just come is going on it's just like everybody's just kind of I don't know, it's just like their attention is being taken away from what is going on. So like nobody, it's not just the media, but nobody's questioning. But then with that said, I mean, there are little pockets of the media where people are actually like, you know, like Navarra media and stuff like that. I mean, in this, you know, there are things where people are kind of like giving alternative viewpoints. But again, not everybody's aware of it. Not everybody's sort of like questioning. And James O'Brien, he's questioning as well. But like, there's not enough of that. There's no, not, not at all. You know, I think, you know, the longer it goes on, we're just going to be stuck with these people. Mm. And, and I think it is, you're right. It's not just, it's not just the media. It is everybody. It's, it's throughout mm. society. There's like some apathy going on that I don't understand. There's people like we're turning some crazy mob mentality, like peeling those protesters, those climate change protesters who are fighting for houses to be insulated. You might not like their methods, you might not like what they're about, but they glued themselves to the ground and stuff. And you're seeing actual thugs go and rip them up off the street or squirt ink on them or pour no, stuff no, no. on them. And I'm like, I, I am seeing people who are claiming to be left-wing cheering that on. Yeah, but direct action has been vilified and maligned for years and years and years, slowly but surely, from trade union attacks to striking. All of it's been vilified for years. So I, to me, it doesn't actually seem that surprising when people do something, which is really a mild inconvenience, isn't it? Being a bit late for work, you get to work late. It's not my fault. There were protesters in the road. It's like saying there was a traffic accident. It's like saying a bus broke down, isn't it? It's, it's completely beyond your control. But because these people have done it deliberately, regardless of what their intention or, or their desired aim was, 
you know, they become a, a, a target. They become the villain, don't they, of the story? And we've been told for years that anyone who's agitating for better conditions, you know, I had the lovely conversation with my son about what strikes were for. The other day. And I think that people even having these conversations, you know, like. So can I ask though, um, with an alternative view, <laughs> why haven't they protested? So for example, when a lot of the protests were happening with, what are they called, Internet Britain, it was taking place during the time of the party conferences. Mm. So why didn't they protest where to stop the politicians from going where they needed to go to as well, when they're actually making that discussion? Because to me, or was there a court, or were you not allowed to, because you clearly weren't allowed to protest on the M25 or wherever it was happening, so they were doing it there. So it can't be that they couldn't have been allowed to protest wherever the conferences were. And that what happened to those guys that protested on the, was it a runway? They got let off in the end, didn't they? And they said that they were Black Lives Matter, but they weren't. Yeah. Um, was it, were they trying to stop a play, a, a win, yeah. was it? A, a yeah. deportation yeah. plane? No, and I was thinking of the climate the change ones. Were they climate change? I can't remember which. But anyway, right. they got, of course, maybe that was where you were going with your point originally anyway, Elaine. But <laughs> yeah. it's difficult. I mean, yes, I, I often think you protest for this. It's a bit like animal charities, in my personal opinion. But, um, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you feeling this about other stuff? But I guess we kind of have to take what we can. Because I can't protest about climate change and Black Lives Matter. No, no, I was, you know, I, I can do saying, what I can do. What's in my wheelhouse? So. No, I was saying, if you're going to be doing, like, if it's going to be a concerted period of mm. protesting, that especially because I saw that the public isn't for them, I don't understand why they didn't protest to also why disrupt the public, not the politicians. Yeah, I mean, maybe in a way. Uh, it's it's weird, but like maybe in a way, like if you're doing the public, because there's a lot more people, isn't there? There's a lot more of the public than there are of the politicians and that. So like maybe in that way, it's making a greater impact because it's 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 annoying people. And eventually, you know, like the annoying people, I mean, annoying people is just going to going to kind of like, you know, get the politicians attention. So maybe that's what it's to do with. I, I don't know. Politicians don't care. <laughs> no, I mean, of they've course got... they don't care, but that's not what... I mean, on the one hand, I think they know that, but then on the other hand, maybe it's a way of trying to get to... Because I think sometimes as well, if you just do it that ob in that obviously, like in front of Downing Street or whatever. No, no, I didn't say what? Downing Street. I said where the conferences were. So that oh, they yeah, the got into the conference. But, but like, I mean, it's 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 in a way, it's kind of like too obvious, isn't it? I mean, sometimes people are just doing things in Do a way that in a roundabout way, but that's even more annoying, and that they think will have more com may have more um, impact. Do Do you see what I mean? I do, I get what you mean. I kind of agree with Elaine though, like you would have got a lot more press. Yeah. You and the thing is, well, you would have got more public goodwill. Yeah. Yes, definitely. There. And then maybe if you wanted to get people onto your side and show solidarity with you when you started doing it in the street later, mm. I think it's a tactics thing, isn't it? I mean, half these people, you don't even know what they're doing. Extinction Rebellion, I mean, going down to Brixton Police Station and giving police flowers and, and mm. you know, all that. And we're like, excuse me, Sean Rigg died in there. 
Do you know what I mean? I think there's just a lot of people in these different movements who and, and you know, the thing is, is, not is, enough yeah. moving parts, not enough thought, not enough exposure to different things. Do you know what I mean? Like it would never occur to to a Black Lives Matter thing to go and stand outside Brixton and give no, the police I can see the headline, honestly, if they had protested outside wherever the Conservative Party conference was, then it would have been juxtaposed with probably Jacob Rees-Mogg saying something, plus Boris giving some kind of <laughs> soundbite, then the public would have been like, they're making sense and it's also annoyed these people. And the yeah. sound, and the sound, because like, those two people have said so many things that are so obnoxious, that it does incense normal people slightly. But so, I yeah. say, do you think potentially not... since the police bill that maybe one security and two the risk of being that much of a nuisance at a public event is high? I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe their thought process. I mean, maybe we should ask some of them. Maybe their thought process is if we went to conference, we'd just be scraped off the floor and taken away, and we wouldn't even get our message exactly. out. Exactly. Because, I mean, there were people who tried at the conference. I mean, look at the that that poor traffic cone that hit Ian Duncan Smith. People were up there like protesting the Tories and stuff like that. They were having a right, a right go at them and really trying to do what they could. And then Pretty Patel was going, see, terror is it? You know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, a, maybe it would have ended their movement if they'd have gone near the Tory really? um, thingy. It might have ended it quicker. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, when it comes to like, the police bill and everything that's happening. Speaking of the police, it was quite a big day for many people in the black community today because their two policemen were on trial. They both pleaded guilty to misfeasance in public office um, for posing with the pictures of two uh, black women who'd been murdered, which is Nicole Smallman and Bibby Henry, who were sisters. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, I don't know how, how you guys felt like that, felt about that as, as black women going, my good God, like not even in death, there's no, I mean, it, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking to think that, my goodness, you've been murdered, okay? You've I got two people that were murdered in a horrific way. They were stabbed mm -hmm. repeatedly to death by a crate, by a, um, by a, you know, you know, whatever person, I, a sick person. I don't know if the person was ill in any kind of way, so I won't put any labels, but, and then, you know, the fact the police wouldn't even go out and look for them. But then after that, to find out the police, after the boyfriend, one of the sister's boyfriends found the bodies, got the police there, you'd think, oh my God, they will have some dignity, you know? And to know that the police, and now details are coming out that the police, one of them superimposed his head on one of yeah. the dead women's bodies. Who would do, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I don't know, um, they, what okay. do you have to say? So, because <laughs> um, this happened really close to where I lived, it's really bothered me from the pretty much the moment the, the story broke out about the fact that these, the two sisters were, Missing them, then found that murdered them. Then, because literally one of the one of my friends, who I call neighbor, 
because he lives around the corner for me, lived around the corner for me. They um, went to school with one of them and there were so many weird things happening in my area last, last year involving in the parks and it actually made me quite agoraphobic to go outside. And then, so, so you can, you have that. And when you know the park where it happened, it's not less like, it's, it's not, it just seemed very weird that somebody would travel from deep southeast London to northwest London to a park which is not near the tube station to do what he did. And it's just, that's just also, it was just, everything's bizarre. Then the police, what the police did is, is, is I don't even have the words because I get very angry every single time I think about it. And the fact is that we don't know what else they are doing because this only came out, I guess, by accident. And we don't know who these people who were supposed to, if we were in America, would protect and serve. But these people are there um, through our consent. We pay for them through our taxes and that they can do that to victims of crime and it's it's it's, it's beyond it's beyond disgusting and it, it'll be very interesting to see what happens and it does seem like obviously we've had this water what's the phrase the watermark a high watermark about how police conduct whilst they're serving officers over the past year but what i'm really really saddened about um the coverage of um Nicole and Bieber's murders was that it didn't seem like it really entered the public consciousness mm. until you saw the fact that the police were kind of involved after the fact but it happened like I always say during the Thanos slap, snap there was nothing really going on last summer because no one could really do anything last summer we were like in half lockdown and the fact that two sisters were murdered did not really, it didn't really reach national consciousness until the fact that police were like being assholes all over the place. And that shows the value of a black woman's life. And even though their mums was like one of the first black archdeacons for the Church of England as well, their police still didn't care. And it, it's, it's really like, honestly, like, I, it's, it's, I'm not trying not to get upset because it's, but I do feel like what value of life do we have that even when, when you think about it, two sisters killed when somebody was, it was a birthday party and it got barely got a mention on the, and then in local news, that's disgusting. Mm. So all of the media are out of order. The police are effing out of order. That woman's still there doing her job as the commissioner, we've still got the Home Secretary, so you've had two off-key things happening under your watch in the period of lockdown, and I think we need to go. Done talking for now. I think Question it needs to go as well, but I think the thing about this which really hit home as well was all the time we're told as Black people, well, you're complaining about the stop and searches. If you're not doing anything wrong, you've got nothing to hide. What have you got to worry about? Oh, wow. Sorry that Mark Duggan was shot to death, but sorry that Cherry Gross was shot, but sorry, but this is because of the behavior. And this is because, well, you know, um, the police were looking for these people because they'd obviously done something wrong. And, you know, these were two innocent women that, like you said, that were killed randomly 
there was no criminal history. Not that it matters. It doesn't matter. You don't still don't deserve that if you have criminal history. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to point out all the excuses that black people are given as to why we've been dehumanized and disrespected by the police. Now, this is too... I can't, I've lost one child. I could not imagine that mum, how she felt losing two on one day. And I feel emotional about it as well. But like, I just, to, I know what it's like to have disrespect around your child's dead body as well. And I just, I can't, I can't, I, I, I don't even know what to say in respect of, of that mother. I don't know. I, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't. Even though I kind of know how it feels, I don't know what to say. But the point I was trying to make was all the excuses that we've been given to why the police disrespect us and why we find ourselves and oh, well, you know, it's because this, there was nothing there. There was no excuse. And we were just shown blatantly, it's not about, oh, if you've got nothing to hide, what have you got to worry about? It's not about our communities, you know, being uh, involved at a high level in crime. It's not about black kids stuff. It's not about any of that. It's just the blatant disrespect. It really does matter. It doesn't matter. And that case and the fact that the Sarah Everard case got so much attention, so much attention straight away. Mm -hmm. And you had, you know, like Kate Middleton coming and dropping flowers. Did she drop flowers for these ladies? Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think this is this is just an example. I mean, you know, what like you're saying, I think, you know, like as black women, there are multiple um, oppressions that we face. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's just like a systemic. It's a lot. It's it's a kind of sim systemic violence, but it's also kind of like symbolic violence as well because it's systemic in the sense that, you know, like, it's like the system is legitimizing these things because like, you know, the police, they're seen as like agents of the state, but clearly these two people that did that are sick individuals. There's no, there's no other way, you know, there's no way to describe it, but then it's also kind of like systemic violence because it's legitimated, you know, like no, because of who we are, like, you know, the system legitimates it. And the thing is, it's historical. It's, it's historical, you know, like nothing, sadly, you know, much as people like to talk about, oh, we've got all these policies around equality and all this, that and the other. But actually, I think there's a massive gap between the, the, the policies, the practice and the way that people are treated, you know, what I mean, and that's how these things are allowed to happen. And the sad thing that the thing I hate to say is that this will not be the last time this is this won't be the last time. And it won't. And, you know, as, as you were saying, how many others do we not know about? Do you know what I mean? But it's a systemic violence and it's also symbolic violence. And yeah, I mean, you know, like sad, sadly to say that, you know, black women's lives do not matter as much as, you know, so yeah. You know, it's quite interesting, like, because I'm, obviously Louise, you'll have it from your sociological point of view. Mm. I made this comment to the man last night. We just, I made a passing comment and he was asking me about um, basically some of the disrespect I get, especially disrespect around the death of my daughter. And I said, I said, no one gives a shit about black women. And he was like, and black men. I was like, please. Yeah, but like, that's like, that's like what that's guy, like, oh. insisted, like, I just didn't want to get into an argument with him. I just didn't want to have an it's argument really with him. really nice. And like, I don't understand. Out of one. 
So I didn't want another one. And I was like, why is it? I said, why is it black women cannot say? I said, look, even Malcolm X said black women were the most disrespected women in America. I said, but that's obviously because at that point he hadn't traveled to see it's no, not America, it's worldwide. He's going, just because Malcolm X said it doesn't make it right. I said, I'm not saying it makes it right. I said, he's not the only one. It was Zora, um, Neil, right, who said black women like the mule of the world or like, I said, this has been something that has been noticed, like going back thingies, but I just didn't want to get into that whole. No, no, you, can, you don't need to get into that. I felt, sorry, like, just to finish off, yeah. like I kind of felt like what was annoying about it was we can't even talk amongst ourselves. Do you know what I mean about it? Like I'm trying to tell him, listen, you're seeing the disrespect I get. It's because I am a black woman. And then you're jumping in with, and black men. What I'm sorry to say, I don't want to disrespect, but I mean, you know, like I had this, argu I had this kind of argument somewhere else actually, it's on YouTube and, and cause I, I, I mean, I've learned now not to get into battles with people on the media and stuff like that because it's just too much hassle. But, you know, I heard that sort of thing as well because like they were talking about whether women, you know, like women expiring after the age of 30, which I think is a load of, I'm sorry, I'm going to swear and say bullshit. But anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's just like, there was a lot of, there was a lot of kind of like, oh, like what about black men? What about black men? But I'm just like, do you know, I said the same thing as you that like, you know, at the end of the day, nobody's saying that you don't have these issues, but then at the same, but you know, like it, it, what's, why is it that we can't say, you know, like when something is hurting us? And I wonder whether it's partly got anything, I mean, I wonder if it's partly got anything to do with that narrative that as black women, you know, we need to be strong and that we need to this and we need to just tolerate stuff. You know what he but turned I, around and said? He actually well, said, oh, but black women are stronger. Okay, so can I now just interject? The next yeah. time somebody says this to you, all of you, ask them, when was the last time you went on a demonstration because a black woman was murdered? Yeah. That's all you need to do. Mm. And then you can ask them, when was the last time I came on, or if you, as you guys demonstrate or do whatever, then say, yeah. When was the last time you saw some black women go on a demonstration because a black man was murdered by the police or whatever? And then you'll see tumbleweeds, mic drop. Yeah, I mean, that is so true because I mean, in one of Adam, Adam Melius Cooper's books, when he talks about policing, he actually talks about the role of black women in these kind of, um, you know, like in these in these kind of resistance struggle struggles and all this and either it's very very true. You don't really see. I'm not well, actually. Let me re rephrase that. It, yeah, yeah. It's all, the world, the world, the world stops because of women are stronger. Like oh, so because you perceive us to be stronger than you lot, we have to take all this shit. Like, are you no, kidding me? No, are but you, I just thought if I can't even have that space with a black man that I'm involved with like to have that like we like when are we supposed to say and it does trickle down because then that brings it back to nicole and 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 Bieber. basically mm. this is what i'm saying this disregard for what black women have to do what black women have to go through you know i mean why is everybody how the mothers were treated. look at kate mccann look at how she's treated as a as a mourning mm. mother yeah, and look at what this woman's had to sustain. 
two girls got on and the, the mother same of Richard, day. Um, when they went to the police, the way they were treated, it trickles down to that. This is nonsense. Right. We don't believe you. It trickles down to exactly the same thing. They're not treated with any kind of dignity or they're not believed. And that, I mean, if they had been believed, we can't even say it. We might have been in a different place with all of those babies, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, look, at, look at, oh, sorry, go on, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to speak about the Richard case as well, because I had a huge argument with somebody online. And I was telling this person, when you, as a Caribbean person, dress up as an, dress up as an African person and put on a dumbass dress and put on a, a kaftan and put on something on your head to go and rip the shit out of an African woman. Do you not understand that, well, that I'm what I'm trying to tell you here? That what you've done is, and you've got a whole heap of white people laughing at what you've done. I said, that kind of stuff doesn't exist in a vacuum, okay? I said, so at the end of the day, mm -hmm. like, oh, well, this African woman called a slave baby, I don't give a shit. I said, mm -hmm. African people do not oppress Caribbean people, especially not here. And African people sure as hell don't oppress black British people. So I said, so when you do things like that, you think about how it trickles down, how that attitude trickles. I said, so when Richard's mum went to the police, she was written off as a hysterical African woman as ridiculous as do you know what I mean like I've spoken to many African people who said like oh the accent people think so I said we as a Caribbean people should understand where that comes from it's rooted in white supremacy and when you join in that stuff you I mean I was like talking to a brick wall to you validate honest. it you validate yeah. it because they get to go look that black person there is laughing along with it. it's so we've said it all the time it's so much more dangerous than when a white person does it yeah, it is. I mean, it's that thing that you said about you know being using other using us to hurt us and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of there. There is there is a lot of that. Sadly, I mean, you know, you know, one of the things I remember watching the real McCoy back in the '90s and stuff, and when they had that guy when they were talking about an African in New York and then he came with his spear and he's, and he's, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, you know what, right? That is such a, I, I don't wear a grass, a grass skirt. Do you know what I mean? I, I think they're cool. Don't get me wrong. Oh, sorry, like, I was thinking of Felix Dexter doing the African accent. Sorry, am I they, No, there was that one. There was that one, but then there was also another one where they just had this guy with a spear in his hand and stuff. And I was just like, man, do you know what I mean? This, this is just so not cool. This is absolutely not cool. I mean, I think there is, I'm, listen, I'm not going to lie. Like, sometimes it does come from both sides. I've seen it. I've, it does come from both sides. I mean, I can tell you some stories. But, I mean, I think in 2021, it's just like, for God's sake, we've got enough shit going on outside without this kind of, like, intra-ethnic you know, tensions between people. And then, like, you know, other people kind of, like, facilitating that. Because, like uh, you say, it is... Um, it also goes back to colonization as well. It goes, it, it's, it's all that kind of thing where everybody's just turning against each other. Divide and rule. Divide and rule. And I just, yeah. and I just like, McCoy, that was so backwards. I thought the Felix Dexter character was different. I, I love him, but I wonder I in hindsight. Was that well? I don't I know. I didn't find it. Sorry, I know this is going to be like, please forgive me. I didn't find it funny at all. I didn't find it funny. Um, See now, Ava, do you look at that? See, do you know what I mean? It's funny, isn't it, when we do this? When we look back. I, I looked at the Felix Dexter character, the cab driver character, as 
I thought he was just quite a clever character and was just basically telling people to piss off. I'm I'm studying. You're an idiot. I'm driving the cab now. That's the that's what I took from it. So I yeah, but that, I'm, you see, it, I wouldn't know. This is why you've got to ask people from that group. When people yeah. talk, they go, "Oh, well, I didn't find it fair." Or it's not up for you to say. It's for people yeah. from that group to see. I might have been looking at it very innocently. I just thought, oh, okay. It's funny, when the BBC re-released Real McCoy, because I remember that, we all used to watch it in my house. Mm. Um, let me see, when did it become funny? I didn't actually find the Real McCoy funny for most of the series. I mean, I really watched it as an adult, I have to say. It got better, it got better. It got better, but yeah, so um, again, forgive me, because it got better, I think, in the last few series. I really like, um, at the time he was Leo Chester Leo Mohammed. I really liked his stuff I liked the EastEnders spoof yeah um, it's very interesting obviously but we can talk about like who became very famous of the Real McCoy and the others who didn't um, because I'll always remember thinking those people are on the Real McCoy and they got lots of series afterwards um, goodness gracious me and the Kumars um, and then what happened to the rest and it literally was what happened to the rest but um, and I really liked the lady who she passed away didn't she Colette something I she was little know. and I really liked Luella Gideon's stitch yeah. and I really didn't find Felix she was funny yeah. she was actually quite funny um, yeah, last time I saw her, she was working on a desk in a reception in BBC. I saw her, she really? kind of stepped out of it a bit. But when we did that documentary last year on Channel 4, she was in that. So it was like oh, we fine. didn't think with Mo Gilligan, where he was going through all these black comedians and stuff. And it is interesting, like you said, the development. I think Leo kind of dropped off. I thought Felix's character, the roots and culture character, was really funny as well, because that was kind of how I spoke growing up and do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how people spoke to me. I just found that really funny. So I guess it's, like I comedy, said, if you're the opposite huh? Comedy is definitely in the eye of the beholder. And that's, I remember when yeah, I asked you about something um, and you said you hadn't watched it, but I think you've watched it now. And I know I found that funny. Yeah. Not, but again, I'm not of certain communities, so. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's what it is. I think sometimes you just don't see it. But however, I think when it's pointed out to you, I was like, this is not the 90s to be doing an African skit. Mm. Are you crazy? Yeah. Who does that? Who And who does that in the name of fighting racism? How mm. can you say you're fighting racism and attack Africa? I said, that's our motherland. Are you well, crazy? That's, that's, that's like an intra... It's, it's not... I mean, it's intra-ethnic racism, isn't it? Because there's inter where it's like, you know, another different group just kind of like being racist against all of us for being black, but that is intra-ethnic and uh, intra-ethnic racism and stuff. And it's just yeah. like, man, I don't, I don't know what, I don't even know what you're thinking of doing. I mean, you know, going back to the point about, you know, Felix Dexter and everything, I think what, what that wasn't really very good because like, you know, it's kind of like stereotyping Nigerian people and just like, you know, as if to say that, you know, they're superior, all they would do is they put work and, but I mean, you have to remember that a lot of Nigerian people, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, black people that are successful, but I just think that that wasn't, 
it, it just kind of wasn't cool. It wasn't, I didn't find it all that funny. Was I mean, anybody African on the entire show? That's also what I've watched in my, with my adult eyes. I didn't realise until 2020, 2020. But I'm going to, are you going to ever go back to comedy ever? Not in that form that I was doing it, no. So can I ask you, um, things like Wahala, things like, Jamaica versus the world, things like Jamaica versus Africa, but things like Africa versus the game. What the bloody, well, sorry, what, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. From day one, from day one, I have been very principled. I, I don't get involved in that. I've never been involved in any of that. I have got, it's so funny, it's cause like, I laugh cause like, I, people will hear me and just assume I'm a coconut or whatever. I remember doing Judith Jacobs' show, her live show. Um, she was in The Real McCoy, actually. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, you're a bit more different to, to what I thought you were like. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, then we would kind of go back, we kind of knew what she's saying. But it, it was just quite funny because I don't do things like that. I don't do things like that. I remember, like, I was going to do a show. I won't name it. I think it still happened. And when I, someone said to me, do you know they do a chicken eating competition? I was like, what? what? They said they get a black person up and a white person up oh. and give them both fried chicken. I cancelled that gig. I don't do shit like that. I don't do shit like that. People think because I went to boarding school or whatever, or I might stand so... I, there's things... I don't do things like that. So, no, those kind, of, those kind of things... I don't remember doing Who a gig with a this? female comedian who's quite popular now and was talking about um, Nigerian men and how they do fake accents and how they've got BO. And I was like, whoa, like, I was like, what was that? Oh my God. I mean, what the thing is, you know, that there's some crazy men across like, the board. I don't know. Oh, there's some frowsy people across the board. You know, it's it just like, you know, you just start to go up on the, on the tube and stuff and then like, you know, sit under someone's armpit. It doesn't matter, do you know what I mean? There's some frowsy people. You can't just say that it's one person or another. Do you know? Oh, God. Oh. And that was like some back in the 90s stuff that Nigerian people have got B.O. or Nigerian I'm men. Sorry, I'm stuck on this chicken eating contest thing. <laughs> Who signed up yeah. for that? What self-respecting black person went on stage with a white person and had a chicken eating, what, race or quality of chicken consumption? Like what race. 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 Right. You could eat the chicken faster than a black person or the white person. I just excuse um, myself. Thank you very much. You don't need them to take your dignity away if you can throw it away just like that. You know what I mean? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? I'm going to have to Google that show after this show. <laughs> I'll just WhatsApp you. I'll tell you exactly where it is. Yes, please. Please. yes please. Okay, so, yeah, I don't know. So, I think... Oh, the comedy thing, yeah, there's some, a lot of stuff on. Maybe I'm humorless. Maybe I'm just humorless and I don't get yes, that. Yes, that's you. Not that's evidently you. I just remember a lot of really nasty comments when I was having my son as well, from even my own family members and stuff. So I kind of, um, no, I'm not going to tell my kid, my child to see that. No, absolutely not. I, don't, I wouldn't do it anyway, but especially now I have him, I would not do that. But it's changed a lot, do you know what I mean? It has changed so much. And I think there's something that you pointed out there, Elaine, which is a good point. There were no African people in the room. You're not gonna be doing a show now like that where there's no African people in the room. It's just not gonna happen. 
Yeah. I don't think it will. And I think it was interesting because when I interviewed uh, about the last subject we're going to speak about, but when I interviewed the producers from uh, the documentary about the new crossfire, Mm-hmm. I noticed that they were both young African people of African descent. One was of Nigerian mm-hmm. descent, one was of Ghanaian descent. And I was speaking to them about that, saying like, how did you feel about it? Because this is, you know, the new crossfire is a very Caribbean story. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we had that conversation about, you know, different generations and what they think. I think younger people are... Um, the younger black people growing up are a lot more sensible about this kind of stuff but it's something that we definitely need to stamp out but they told me they did a lot of work into they didn't just come into it thinking oh we're black so we can understand what happened with the new crossfire because it was very very different then and the communities were quite separate back then Mm. and they told me about the reading and the learning and everything they did to read up on the caribbean community at the time um which was yeah it was it was interesting so that was the last thing we were going to speak about because it was in the news this week that there is a guy called uh, i don't even know how to refer to this person i'm not even being funny just um, their name yes michael I, I don't know if i can use that name it's also the newspaper uh, what is the name of the newspaper I, I think because at this moment as well, I just don't want to misgender or use a dead name because that's I know those are things you're not meant to do. Uh, the person at the time that they spoke about it was presenting as male. As far as I know now, the person is uh, as identifies as a trans woman. So that's why I'm kind of all over with the pronoun. So I'll just say they. Um, they. They. Um, apparently confessed to the police years ago that they started the fire, the new cross fire. And I just think, I don't know, Louise, I know you read up quite a lot about, oh, you know, we're reading a bit about it this week. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm actually writing a, a, a new module and stuff and we kind of talk about that. And I've also been, you know, I've watched the documentaries a few times and everything. I mean, I, I mean, this, this, what you were saying, actually, she's so cute. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't know about this person, but I think it's very interesting that they've gone to the police and then the police are just saying, just leave it, don't talk about it, do you know what I mean? And rather than, you know, and trying to sort of like propel the narrative that actually it could have happened inside of the house. So for me, that's just very telling because then that way, because there was a lot of, as we know, there was a lot, there's always a lot of tension between black people and the police, but then, you know, then it was particularly bad. So was it their way of not wanting to deal with it? It's just easier to say that, oh, you know, like black people are kind of like fighting amongst themselves. So, so do you know what I mean? So they can, they can get them that way. Um, and then just like, you know, not d- deliberately not taking on board, you know, the person who says that they did it. Do you know what I mean? Ju- oh, oh, I've lost my, I'm sorry, I've lost my train of thought. I know what I wanted to say, but I've completely lost my train of thought. I sorry. kind of, just picking up a little bit what you're saying, we can sort of tie it back to um, the two sisters. Yeah. It's almost like, it's like, so what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, shut up. So what if you set that fire and those black kids died? So what? Like, there seems yeah. to be a lack of, care and, and the fact that 
these people's families want answers, you know, because it wasn't just the person, there was a person that was so traumatized by it that he committed suicide a couple of years later. Do you mm. know what I mean? There's, there's people who are, who've lost siblings who still want to know what happened with that thing. And I think for me, when I saw that story and I saw Michael Smithyman yeah. was the, the name of the person who said that they confessed and then later on to try and get parole retracted from that. The fact the police were like, oh, well, who cares? You know, it just mm. feeds in again to what we were saying earlier about black life being worth nothing. Well, actually, you know, this is not being listened to because even you watch the documentary, there's plenty of people on there who said that they thought somebody had thrown a, like a Molotov cocktail or something and they saw somebody run off. So there were plenty of people who said that at the time and continued to say it for how many years later are we now, 30? You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say about the who cares thing, because um, when I watched, I think I was watching Windrush um, and that was done in 1998. And then they interviewed this woman who had he, uh, her daughter. Sorry, not her daughter. But anyway, so she was um, one of the ambulance people and who kind of like, you know, taken one of I can't, I, it was I don't think it was um, it was it, it was. I can't remember, I can see the girl, but I can't remember her name. I think she was something Golding. Okay. I could be wrong, I could be wrong. But anyway, I mean, she was saying that like after she went to the hospital and you know, this, this girl left them, she left them and stuff like that. They were in the pub and then she overheard these people kind of talking about the new cross fire. And then like, you know, they, they'd said, oh, like, you know, it's only it's only like using the N word to describe to describe the people that burnt. That, wow. You know, did, oh, gosh, I'm losing I'm losing my track. I think I'm tired. But anyway, yeah, it was only black people that that got, you know, murdered and all this that, and the other. And I think that was very symptomatic of the attitudes that people held then. But then also the attitudes, sadly, you know, people probably won't come out and say it's like that now. But. It is there. I mean, it's inherent, you know. And, and the media who actually, who said, who was telling a story, I don't know why you'd want to tell this story in public, but was telling a story about, he heard about the new crossfire and he went, just a bunch of M-words. That's how he felt. I think the biggest, the big redemption from the story was then he went on to marry a black woman. <sighs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's face. So, so now that um, uh, the more, the more this person has admitted it or retracted or whatever, and it's come out again that he this story's come out because it's not the first time that it's it's been in the public domain. I just build it. It was mentioned on the BBC like in 2015, so I don't know why I didn't notice it then. Um, are they going to reopen the case? Is the case actually closed? Are they still trying to look into it in this? Because um, this year's the 40th year. Yeah. What's um, the purpose I, of the story uh, coming out again? Are they, is it pressure to actually try and find out what's happened? Yeah, Magdalene Edwards, who was 16 and pregnant at the time and escaped by jumping out the window, but her sister died. She's asking them to reopen it because of this uh, person coming forward and saying, because um, Smithyman was 14 at the time and claimed that he first confessed to doing it in 1991 and, and confessed, he made confessions 
plural, between 91 and 93. And the Mail on Sunday have seen the documents from the Home Office. It was actually, it was basically uh, that person and somebody else, and somebody else's name was retracted, but that person's name is right there in the paperwork. So it's not like this is a made up story. This isn't a fantasist who's coming forward. It was forward a couple of people. Like it was a like couple of people. Like the party goers said, not one guy, it was a couple of people like the party goers say and have said yeah. for 40 years, unbelievable. Yeah. You know but what, they, this, this fight for, sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say that there was an eight page briefing, no charges were brought. Um, Smitherman said that they watched the fire from a playground, saw the people jumping out the windows. Um, yeah, because basically it wasn't allowed in. Jesus, I mean, God. Oh, I mean, there's just there's just every kind of wrong, but you know this fight for justice in a way. I know I know it's not the same thing, but it's the same principle. It's almost like Hillsborough, isn't it? I mean, you know, because of the people, because they're from a mud, you know, like Liverpool yeah. people and stuff, and they're poor and all this that and the other. It's gonna it's it's it look at how long it took for them to get just, and they haven't even got it fully yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this this again, do you know what I mean? Whereas black people, black working class people. It's just, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. asking for it. Some of the survivors are asking for it to be reopened. They've got one though called Wayne Haynes, who was a very yeah, prominent yeah. documentary. We interviewed people from the uh, documentary on this show before, who's insisting it wasn't arson. But I don't, I haven't yeah. heard any comment from Wayne after this person's come forward again. I don't know. I don't know. So I saw, yeah, because I saw one where he said it wasn't arson, and then another one where I mean, in in um, uprising, he was saying something slightly different, right? Or have I got I that wrong? I think he also said in uprising. As far as I know, that it, he wasn't sure. I don't think he was as strong in uprising as he has been in other articles about it. Mm. I think, yeah. Can you stay down there because you've got no. I don't want you on camera like that. I am. Um, it's just it's 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 sad and uh, um, well, it tells us a lot, doesn't it? That both of these stories came out in the same week. And you know, I heard today they're talking about giving custodial sentences to the officers that took the photographs with um, uh, Nicole and Beaver. And what I thought about it was, it just felt so hollow and false in the light of just everything you know i mean the ipcc exists cressida dick still still in charge you know sending two policemen the culture that got us to that still exists the culture that got us to a man confessing repeatedly to murdering black people and, and that being ignored you know that still exists so all anything really that's done feels a little bit hollow doesn't it because really the answer is to listen in the first place that's the only justice is literally the only justice everything else is just window dressing isn't it so, i mean yeah sorry last question i was going to ask is mm. unfortunately sometimes when these these movements happen we're an afterthought or we're just you know it's as, as a consequence, do you know what I mean? Because let's face mm. it, like I mentioned Stafford Scott war in a Babylon prior to before we came in, I was telling you a little bit about it. Um, when you go to, a, to an exhibition like that, you see, this is nothing of this is new. But what I'm thinking is, or want to ask is, do you think 
So we've been talking about police brutality, police killing people. I mean, everyone's shocked that a serving policeman killed someone and black people like, hello. Like they've been doing it quite a while. Not everyone. So do you think with this Sarah Everard thing that it's gonna result in some sort of justice for us? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you think it's it's going to have a knock-on effect? It's not that they care about that. Indirectly, do you think? Sorry, just to finish off. Like the way Black Lives Matter, maybe that was the only reason Dalian Atkinson, Benjamin Monk, the policeman would have done for manslaughter. Somehow a law will come into place. They can't not enforce it and it will help us. I'll tell you what's gonna happen. So, Louise always talks about what she's, what, what she's read, what she studied. When I was at university, there was, I did, I did a law degree and um, my degree, my, my dissertation coordinator was a guy who gave evidence at the Stephen Lawrence inquiry. Mm-hmm. Now, have they implemented all the recommendations from the Stephen Lawrence inquiry? Probably not. Have they implemented all the recommendations from Scarman? Probably not. What's going to happen after, um, once this water is settled down um, after Sarah Everard, is that they're going to probably do another inquiry in the same way they did an inquiry, which um, David, um, oh, what's his name? Black um, Labour Haringey. Oh, um, yes, yeah. Lammy, yeah. David yeah. Lammy. He, yeah, David Lammy. He did an inquiry as well. Have they implemented it? No. So what they're going to, they've got lots of paper that they're going to do this inquiry. They might not print it because climate change, but they're going to do an inquiry and then they're going to take one or two of the recommendations and then leave the other things to the side. And then they will do some hand in. They're probably going to try and hire more women in the police force. And when you've got them also making nonsensical suggestions, like if you're stopped by a low, if an, an, a plainclothes police officer and you're a woman walking in the dark by yourself, blonde um you can ask the um police to radio for whatever now and then we're all going to look and say yeah because why yeah whatever so that's these are the things that are going to happen i don't think there's going to be any real knock-on effect because would would you feel comfortable challenging a police officer if you got sorry would you feel comfortable challenging a person who says that they're a police officer who's not wearing a uniform and then say let me radio your station and that they're going to look at you and say, yeah, that's all right, love. Like, I mean, if they're out to attack you, they're not going to let you radio anything, are they? No, and also the other suggestion, if you see a police person on their own, you, and they're on their own and you feel frightened, run. Yeah, like I want a bullet in my back. I think not. I don't yeah, trust it. Those rules, I understand that those rules are not for us, but I mean, do you think that even if it hadn't been for Sarah Everard, that the, the police who took the... the photos of the dead bodies of the black women would even have gone to court no not at all 100% I think it might have done because of her her mum that's been a knock-on effect hasn't it that's been something that like almost like scratched from the table for us really hasn't it do you think now more of that is what no I think that they would have gone to court because of the fact that them their mother was a woman who is quasi part of the establishment because she's quite high up in the Church of England. So the pressure might have come from the fact that she's 
I'm speculating, but like, she, like the Archbishop of Canterbury, the blah, blah, blah. And so I think that's the reason why I don't, I, I don't think necessarily it was a Sarah, because I think they were charged last, last year rather than this year. Right, okay. Um, I'm trying to remember all the things that I've shared over the past year. But I think that they, they started investigating pretty much last, last year afterwards. Right, okay. Okay, I get, I get exactly where you're coming from now. It's kind of like um, Stephen Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Daily Mail were not for it. It's just that yes. uh, Neville Lawrence worked for Paul Dacre. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because there was a personal connection. I see exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think do you agree that it's not going to be any knock-on effect for us? Any I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think going back to what Elaine says, I mean, again, I, I did a master's in social policy. And one of the things that we said, like it, the, the, the ironic thing is that we're looking at policy and policy making and stuff like that. And they call it the policy soup. So that policy soup is where, like, you know, you've got all these ideas and stuff and then you try to you, you make it into a policy. There's a lot of paperwork in, be in between. There are some recommendations. Some are taken. Some are not. Do you know what I mean? And I and I can see this is what is going to happen. And I think sometimes you do, you, you know, like if you've got that culture, no, the, the social capital, so that, you know, your network, so it's where you belong, whether it's in the establishment, you know, like whether it's those people that you know, like Paul Dacre or whoever and stuff like that, that is what is going to, um, that's what's going to make the change. But if you haven't, and this goes back to the point that I was making earlier that, you know, who knows about how many other cases like this that has gone on, but like, you know, people don't have the social or the cultural capital to be able to speak out or to get their voices heard and stuff like that. So I think it will make a little bit of a change. I think it will make a little bit of a change, but I think in order for anything to, it's got to be a massive sea change. But I think at the moment, I and, and I don't, I like to be positive and stuff like that. And I like to believe in like, you know, little ra little raindrops making a mighty river. But at the moment, mm. No, I agree. I agree. I see exactly what, what points you guys are making. And I, I agree. So that's the end for us for today, ladies. So uh, we will be back again speaking about other things. <laughs> There's bound to be some injustice against us. What's the rest of your week looking like? Stop, that's not funny. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny. She's trying to put her hand What do you mean, the why? joys of work? to wait, Well, wait, fine, just wait. Um, so, so anyway, like, the rest of your week, looking I forward are. to anything? I'm going to a book launch on Thursday. Ooh. Oh, okay. Is that you? So, um, that with your book club? Oh, he is a friend of our book club, and so um, oh, was he the person who asked you to read through? Oh no, no, that, but that one went really well. Um, then JJ Boller, uh, Congolese. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know JJ. I love JJ, and um, he he's got his next um, fiction novel. It's called The Selfless Act of Breathing. So I'm going to be going to the launch on Thursday. Oh, well, you go, girl. You go, girl. Report back. We'd love to know. I will about definitely. Uh, J, uh, JJ is a really cool guy. So, yeah. Okay. I, I like being good things for him. Yeah, I've known JJ for a few years now. What? Oh, that's, uh, yeah. So, mm. uh, uh, yeah, anyway. 
Louise, you got anything exciting coming up? Is anything you wish well, to watch? I going? have got something coming up. It's in two worlds. Not it's not just me. I mean, it's a it's a collective thing. But um, one of my friends, she's doing, she's launching an NGO in Ghana, and it's about making sure that you know, like people get access to education, and it's called Inkunim. And um, she is launching it at my university. And, you know, I put it on Twitter and everything, but like, I just want to shout out there again. One, I mean, I don't know, like I'm going to, I'm going to be running my mouth. So I'll be writing, I'm just in the moment, writing my keynote speech. And, you know, I'm trying to do it in a way, cause you know, like one of my aspects of research is kind of like autobiography. So in a way I'm sort of telling my story through, you know, but also getting the point across. I'm trying to get a hold of an image at the moment and I'm trying to get an image of my old house. If I mean, if you see, I mean, there's, there's a logic behind this, but Google Maps is doing my absolute heading because I'm trying to copy and paste it onto like a slide and it's just not working. So you that's- You do a screenshot. Yeah, my niece just told me that. She told me that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You see, I'm not an auntie. auntie. You see, I'm not an auntie. <laughs> no, man, because this afternoon it was just because like the, the damn thing just kept moving. And I was just like, this is absolutely doing my head in. So I was just like, put up ebony, ebony. I was like, ebony, I'm I need your help. I'm I'm confused. But so anyway, so I'm hoping that when I switch my phone back on, the screenshot will be there because I just don't have another afternoon to be doing that, man. You took an afternoon to try and do a screenshot. Yes. I mean, the thing is, I didn't know that you could do a screenshot. I tried for the last five minutes, like auntie admissions. I know, I know, I know. I know. what have you got coming up? I'm mostly work. Literally, this week is a worky one. But um, yeah, it's all good. Three events. Whoop, whoop. No one wants to hear that. You got this, girl. <laughs> All right, then. We need to say goodbye to our audience. You guys just hang on for a second, but just say goodbye to the audience. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Did I stop recording? Bye. <laughs>